1: we need to be mover when we move down at the bottom of the hill satan is there he's ready with his club to smack you and we need to move through it know that he's there we need to know that this is going to happen we need to be well armed we need to have the armor of god on we need to have our battle arm we need to be ready and knowing that it's happening we need to have god's word close to us and memorized in our hearts so that we can rebuke satan using god's word just as jesus did when he was being tempted in the wilderness
0: mountaintop experiences with god are wonderful aren't they we meet our creator in new ways and we can't help but overflow with praise pastor dave reminds us today though that the enemy is waiting for us at the foot of the mountain we'll need to be ready to fight off his attempts to steal our joy now here's pastor dave in the book of judges chapter eight with part one of his message after the victory be careful
1: Judges chapter 8. In Judges 6 and 7, we met a man named Gideon. We deemed him an ordinary man, a man like you and I, all right? A human, frail, fallen human. But Gideon was chosen by God. Gideon made himself available when God called him, and God chose him to lead Israel against the Midianites, who interestingly enough, God had sent to harass the Israelites. So God raises up someone to take care of a problem that he caused. I think that's interesting. But we know that he did this because Israel was in a backslidden state. Israel had forsook God. They had I don't think for forsook's a word. They had forsaken God and they turned their backs on him. They did evil in sight of the Lord. So we know that God had to discipline them. We read in chapter six how they had fallen into sin, even after 40 some odd years of peace and prosperity. You would always wonder why, how can that happen? And it's interesting because we said this before from this podium that at the end of the book of Revelation, after Satan was bound up for a thousand years. He's loosed and free will. And instantaneously, he has amassed an army of millions upon millions of people. So it doesn't surprise me that after 40 years, their service to God waxed cold. Their want to be led by God and to be following God became cold. It's a sad thing, but we know the cycle. The Lord heard their cry of desperation. He had mercy upon them as he has mercy on his children, and he raised up Gideon to be their deliverer. Gideon's response that we read was very interesting at best. His faith was weak. Gideon was of weak faith, and we said, gee, we should feel good about Gideon's faith because I know that at times my faith is weak. At times my faith is weak and sometimes I have to pray like the person in the gospel who prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. Sometimes circumstances befall me and my faith becomes weak. So Gideon asked the Lord for several signs. He asked the Lord for several signs and each one that he asked for, the Lord provided. The Lord did this and as he did this, Gideon's faith grew and grew and grew and eventually Gideon led an army and they had a great Victory. I'd like to read you a quote from an old Scottish Presbyterian pastor by the name of Andrew Bernard. He was giving counsel, and this is what he said, quote, Let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Let me read that again. Let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. You've seen, I've called this little message, after the victory, be careful. Sometimes after great victories given to us by the Lord, sometimes after great times of prayer, after a retreat, after meeting, after giving food to those who are less fortunate and helping others in their great time of need, after we've been members of the Billy Graham Rapper Response Team and have gone to, down to Katrina or out to Columbia, Indiana after you've had mountaintop experiences. Satan's just waiting to attack. And it seems that that's when his attacks are the fiercest. After you enjoyed this great time with the Lord, after you just told me you come up to me and pastor, pastor, the Lord gave me this great revelation. The Lord gave me this. Great. You're so excited about it, and then two days later I call you, you're going, oh my gosh, you're upset. God hasn't changed, but Satan attacks. Satan attacks when we're most vulnerable, and it seems that this causes us to stumble if we're not watchful, if we're not careful as we come down off the mountain. I believe that this is when we are the most vulnerable. We're the most vulnerable during this time, and we need to be aware of Satan's ploys and his tricks, how he wants to trick us up. Where am I getting my thoughts from? You all know the story of the transfiguration. You all know the story when Jesus went up on the mountain. He took his favorite three, James, John, and Peter. And he went up there and Jesus was transfigured before them. Jesus was transfigured before them and they beheld his glory. They seen the glorified Christ and they saw Elijah and they saw Moses standing there with him. And they were so amazed. And Peter says, you know, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Well, yeah, it was. I can imagine it must have been wonderful to be there. So wonderful that Peter wanted to stay there. He said, I'm going to build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. We'll have a great time. We're just going to stay here and praise the Lord. Praise you. But that's not what Christ wants. Christ wants, no, it's time to go down the mountain. And if you know how the stories go, they got down the mountain. And what happened? There was a demon-possessed kid. They couldn't cast the demon out. Now, the Lord had already given them power over demons. He'd already given them authority over demons, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't get rid of the demons. They were failed. It always seems that Satan is waiting for us at the bottom of the hill after every spiritual high. Every spiritual wonderful experience, it seems that you're always tested and tried by the enemy. And he tries to immediately come in. And what does he want to do? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to take your joy from you. He wants to rip it off. He tries to come in here. He knows what God has given you. And he says, no, I'm going to take some of this. Just as God blesses you and you're so excited. You're so thrilled. Oh, Lord, this is wonderful. This is great. Boom, he's there. But we must keep going. We must ever keep moving forward. We can't not stagnate. We need to be mover. When we move down at the bottom of the hill, Satan is there. He's ready with his club to smack you. And we need to move through it. and Know that he's there. We need to know that this is going to happen. We need to be well-armed. We need to have the armor of God on. We need to have our battle arm. We need to be ready and knowing that it's happening. We need to have God's word close to us and memorized in our hearts so that we can rebuke Satan using God's word just as Jesus did when he was being tempted in the wilderness. We don't have immunity from these attacks. I wish we did. I wish I could tell you that we'd have immunities. I've seen it all too often. In fact, Those guys that have been with me on a retreat, those guys that have been with me at a conference and stuff know very well that I usually gather everybody at the end. And what's the first thing I say, Frank? We're going home now. Let's be careful. (laughs) Because I know what's going to happen. We know what's waiting for us. We know what's going to wait there at the end, after the retreat, after this mountaintop experience. It's easy to feel really solid in your faith after a great prayer. I mean, we have some great prayer here on Sundays. We have some great prayers, but I imagine the ride home sometimes is pretty tough. I would imagine after the great prayer we have on Sunday after evenings that the ride home, is like, wow, crazy things happen. I don't know about you, but it happens to me because we're here and the world is all shut out. It's out there. We're here and we're on that mountaintop. And all of a sudden, boom, a real relationship with God is when we rise from our knees and we meet. Our problems head on, knowing that God is still in control. God is the same God that we prayed for a minute ago. God is the same God that we just worshiped. But because we're being attacked, we become fearful. So we move into chapter 8. Gideon is about to be tested again. Only this time, it comes from within the nation, from his own people. And the chapter focuses on how Gideon responds to these difficult situations. Gideon has just been used, as we said, mightily by the Lord to subdue the Midianites. He's been used mightily by the Lord to free the nation Israel from their bondage once again. But now he has to be washed because Satan's ready to steal something from him. Satan's ready to take that victory and turn it into defeat. He's ready to take that right from them. If Gideon's not careful, he may have won the war, but he could lose the victory. There's a lot of things we can learn from Gideon. And how we're supposed to answer those who come against us and want to cause division. Especially in the light of victory. So let's begin. Let's look at verse 1. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went out to fight the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. So these men of Ephraim, they're complaining to Gideon That he didn't call them to fight against the Midianites. Right away, this is a bizarre situation. This is a bizarre situation. Because if you remember in chapter 7, specifically in verses 24 and 25, they got to kill the two princes. They got to cut their heads off. So picture this. These guys are coming to Gideon with the heads of the two princes that they cut their heads off and going, Hey, Gideon, you don't let us have any fun. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm confused. They're coming up to Gideon and saying, why didn't you call us? Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you call us? Well, Gideon, I tell you, he's a man after my heart. Well, what do we know about the Ephraimites? Well, I can tell you they're the second largest tribe next to Judah. They're the second largest tribe next to Judah. They have a brother. What was the brother's name? Manasseh. Manasseh was his brother. Guess who was from the tribe of Manasseh? Gideon. Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. But they thought they were more important than anyone else. They wanted to be the heroes of the war because Gideon did not specifically call them into battle. They were insulted. They got their feathers ruffled. Their pride was hurt. Now, if you look back through Judges, you'll see in chapter 3, the tribe of Ephraim helped Ehud. They helped Deborah and Barak in chapter 5. But when Gideon blew his trumpet, they didn't answer the call. They didn't answer the call. I guess they just wanted to be invited. Sometimes we need to be invited. We have our pride. Well, they didn't invite me. Well, Gideon blew the trumpet. He blew the war signal. And they know what the trumpet means. They have heard the show far before. They know. But it's a good thing they weren't invited because their pride would have taken over. Can you imagine what would happen if they were told to go home? Remember, Gideon had, what, 32,000 men. And the Lord whittled it down to 300. Can you imagine if the Ephraimites were some of those men that he told to get home? Their backs would have got all bent out of shape. They'd have been mad. They'd have done all kinds of damage. And... They had taken credit for the victory. They had taken credit for the victory. This is what pride does to us. So, what can we learn from this group? What can we learn from this group? Too often, we as Christians ignore the victory that was won on the cross. We ignore the great mercy that we have been given, that we've gotten because of the cross. We ignore the fact that we have been forgiven and we come like Ephraim. And we want to fight about the smallest thing. And we seek out things to disagree upon. You said this when you should have said that. That's it, I'm leaving. You didn't say hello to me. You didn't hug me. You didn't say goodbye to me. You didn't call me. I'm leaving. What about the cross? Don't we have the cross in common? crosses our commonality one minute we're standing together in victory raising the hands praising the Lord and the next minute we're declaring war on each other how sad is that how sad is that Gideon could have very easily come right back and railed against the Ephraimites he could have very easily railed against them but Gideon chooses chooses a different path let's read 2 and 3 So he, Gideon, said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Gideon said, Hey guys, you did so much more than I. I love that. I love Gideon for this. I really do. He's a much better man than I because I'd have been right at their throat. Gideon says, hey guys, you're so much greater than I am. And he starts playing on their ego and telling them how wonderful they are and they did such a better job. Look, look at your hands. Whose heads are you holding in your hand? You're handing Oreb and Zeb's head in your hand. Look what you did compared to me. You did so much more. A soft word, a kind word. Turn to Proverbs 51. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fools pours forth foolishness. Can you imagine what would have happened when they came against Gideon? He said, well, you didn't answer the call. It's all your fault is not, is to, is not, is two. they'll start bickering and battling. But no, Gideon uses a soft word. If you're still in Proverbs, how about 1632? 1632. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules the spirit than he who takes a city. In other words, don't revile those that revile against you. Don't repay evil for evil. Christ is our example. When they reviled against him, he reviled not. He didn't come back at them. And he had every right to. Gideon had learned a great deal. And his humility goes a long way. He learned how to control his anger. He learned how to control his tongue. And as you know, if you've read the book of James... Controlling the tongue is a very, very difficult thing to do. The fire of the tongue has been used to burn many. Children are told that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, but that's not really true. I don't know about you, but I've been hurt by words. Words sting, words hurt, and cruel words are not easily taken back. Even though you say you're sorry and you're remorseful, the words are already out there. words are already out there. The bitter pain of a word spoken can hurt us for a lifetime. I know some of you can remember back when a word stung you like a bee sting and it might still hurt. What others say and what we say about others can last a long time. The casual, sarcastic remark or critical remark can inflict injury, and I'll say it from this stage. The three worst letters ever invented were L-O-L. Why? Because I can go on Facebook and I can call you a dirty, rotten, scum-sucking, blah, 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 and then behind and go, LOL. Just teasing. LOL means laugh out loud, by the way. But that's what people do. People get on there and they rip you apart, and at the end they put LOL. They've said there, well, hey, wait a minute. You've said what you said, it's there in print. But because I put LOL there, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Sometimes I read that stuff and I want to reach through the computer and go. I digress. The tongue is hard to tame, James says. The tongue like a bridle in a horse's mouth, the rudder of a ship, how small a rudder of a ship is that moves these great big vessels through and through. The tongue is vicious. And I think we need to be extremely careful and I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing at me. I need to be extremely careful with what we say, how we say it, the inflection of our voice and what we think. It's very important. Gideon learned that. He swallows his pride and he compliments the Ephraimites. He compliments them. He says, you guys did so much more than me. And I can just see him now holding the heads going, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. We're cool. But he played up to them. And there was no contention. There was no strife. What did Gideon care? It was God's victory anyhow. God got the victory. Gideon didn't worry about that kind of stuff. But What's interesting here is as we move on, I'll never get through this chapter. As we moved on, it's interesting that although Gideon has soft words for the Ephraimites, the next group he comes in contact with, his words are not so soft. They're not so nice. Let's look at 4 through 17. See, I'm picking up steam here. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he went with the 300 men who were with him, crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Sukkoth, Please give us loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. The leaders of Sukkoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zuma now in your hand, that we should give you bread to your army?" So Gideon says, for this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zumanah in my hand, then I will tear your flesh with thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sukkoth answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunah, were at Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east, for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Not bad for 300 guys. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of the Norba and Jagaba. I couldn't pronounce these words before, so I don't know why I'm trying now. And he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Zoash, returned from battle from the Ancient of Herbs. And he caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and him, And he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders, 77 men. When he had came to the men of Sukkoth, he said, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns and the wilderness and the briars, and with them he taught the men of Sukkoth, and he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. <laughs> wow. This is a big difference than the Gideon who was real soft and mild. From the mild-mannered reporter, he turns into Superman, and he does all these crazy things to these guys. He's mad. He's mad at them.
0: When God raised up judges to bring the people of Israel back to himself, he did it in unusual ways. He chose a variety of men and women, strong and timid alike. These judges were given tasks to show God's power to the Israelites and the enemy, and God accomplished His goals in an unexpected fashion each time. God can and does use creative ways to reveal who He is, proving that He's the only one who could have made it happen. As we follow God and learn to rely on Him, He'll reveal Himself to us as well. It may not be in the ways we expect, but we can be sure it will be in the way God knows is best. Are you praying for God to move in your life? We'd be happy to come alongside you and support you with prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Judges, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, that's 609 884 5821. Thanks for tuning in to our message today. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word. Pastor Dave will continue to take us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges. When you join us next time, right here on A Sure Hope.